This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. So Nate Diaz has left the Dustin Poirier sweepstakes, and Nate did it very quickly. It was a form of social media. He's got no problem with the Dustin fight. He's got a problem with 155 pounds. He declared his next fight will be at 170. Fine. But it starts to remove the players, right? I mean, it does appear somewhat obvious that it's going to be Conor McGregor, right? It appears somewhat obvious if Conor McGregor wants to fight you and you're a 155-pounder, Okay, wonderful, and you go fight Conor McGregor. Perhaps I am just trying to add to this conversation. Perhaps there was never anything to talk about in the first place. But the insertion of Conor McGregor into a title fight with Dustin Poirier is very much worth talking about in that it's the opposite of what we were discussing two weeks ago. We all as a community were very agreed upon the idea that the winner of the main event would take on the winner of the co-main event. And that didn't change. That didn't even change after Michael Chandler had won. It didn't even change when Poirier won. It changed when Connor lost. As soon as Connor got beat, we all kind of threw away everything we had been saying for two months and said, no, wait a minute. It's got to be Connor. It's got to be Poirier. Let's do it again. This is a trilogy after all. Oh, and we got to throw the title on the line. I'm as guilty of it as you guys. I, I understand. We did not see that coming in many ways. We didn't love the idea of Chandler versus Poirier as much as seeing a more familiar name in Conor McGregor, seeing Conor try to get redemption or watching Conor fall on that sword once and for all and never be able to bounce back. I mean, whatever part of it is that story that you like, that story did change, not when Chandler won and not when Poirier won, but when McGregor lost. So perhaps I'm the dog chasing his tail. I understand that, but I do feel as though there was a little bit of dialogue, at least at one point, for Poirier to not necessarily go against McGregor right away, but instead enjoy a little parody within his career, which is where you insert Diaz. I would have hypothesized that the 55-pounders would have got quite competitive about who was going to face who between Chandler, Oliver, and Gaethje. I would not have hedged a bet that they would have done the opposite and started all pointing the finger at you do it. I assumed those three guys would have started bickering in the media, uh, politicizing and strategizing about who they were each going to fight next and offer your argument as to why you should get it. I did not know that they would do the opposite and go, no, 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 you you two, you two. I I never saw that coming. It's just one of those things. They're not the only ones. I mean, I could talk to you guys until I'm blue in my face that the the biggest group of fake tough guys I've ever had to be around is cage fighters. I've never been around a more fake group of tough guys ever. Right now is the opportunity to start bickering. It's a triangle. There's three of you. One of you is going to be the odd man out. The two of you that make the most compelling argument and show that you want it the most are going to get it, and the other guy is going to sit on the side. Instead... They all holstered their weapons and said, no, no, I'm out. You two go. I'm waving a white flag. You two figure it out. But they're not the only scaredy cats out there. It's going on at heavyweight right now. There was a time when if a punk kid from 205 pounds 
threatened to come into your division, in this case, heavyweight, and in this case, being John Jones, you would be the one to meet him at the door. You would meet him at the door and let him know whose house this is. There is not a heavyweight alive that can fog a mirror who has called out John Jones. Not one. And you can always turn in the world of cowardice, which is what you heavyweights live in, in the world of cowardice that you live in, you can always turn to the idea that it was stated by Dana White at a press conference that John will be fighting for the championship and therefore I have no standing in this matter. And the kids on the playground will let you do it. Because as equally as scared as you are is as equally as dumb as the new MMA audience has become. I can tell you in the 90s when I was coming through it, the audience, though much smaller, expected more. And you weren't going to fool them. By saying, well, by golly, I got no shot at John. He's going right into a championship fight. You would have called him out. And you would have sprinkled in a little bit of credit for the smart mark in the front of the class that realized calling out John Jones, who's going to go ahead and whip your ass? I understand why you don't want to fight John. You're not going to beat him. But now that the press conference has been declared and he has been stated a number one contender in a division that he's never fought at, you are safe to call him out and never have to actually go get your ass beat. Thus making you a little bit more intelligent than the guy that wants us to all have heard and remember a press conference that was done three months ago by Dana. Not one heavyweight, literal statement, not one heavyweight has called out John Jones. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the opportunity that you would be looking at, the headlines that you would get? I was on my trusted MMA sites today, the bloodyelbow.com and the mmamania.com. By far and away, the most leading story was the retirement of James Vick. James, thank you for your service, by the way. I, for one, thoroughly enjoyed your career. I hope you enjoy retirement. I was then met with other leading stories that were so desperate, they even went to the financial woes of 1FC. So desperate in the world of MMA for some kind of an activity that right now in present time on the two websites that I go to, one of them has the financial woes of an organization taking place continents away. That would be to anybody that had the sense that God gave geese a very clear message that there's not a lot going on in the world of the free format fighting systems today, and I have an opportunity to stir something up. For whatever reason, today, I'm not competing with quotes of Conor McGregor or fainted attempts of a comeback by Brock Lesnar or what's going to happen with Floyd Mayweather. For whatever reason, Nobody in the world of MMA woke up today to the point that financial statement from continents away. I mean, could you imagine my point here? They would have no idea to know if those were true or not. It still made the headline because they're that thirsty and that hungry for something to talk about, but not one fighter could come out with something meaningful. Not one fighter could look at that, what we would call in the business a down week, as an opportunity to be the only one heard. You can go about arguing a couple of different ways, but you really only have a couple of options, okay? It's like music, there's only so many notes. You can wait until the room is crowded and the room is full, and then you can hope to shout over everybody else, or you can wait until the crowd and room is very quiet and you can speak softly, knowing everybody will listen because there's nothing else to be heard. So Nate Diaz, a meaningful, recognizable contender for a championship with Poirier has removed himself from the equation. Even Conor McGregor has gone oddly quiet 
The three other guys in the triangle all hope the other two go do it. Nobody at heavyweight today or any other day has called out John Jones. I could not imagine being in a division and having a guy come to that division and just standing aside. I could never imagine being that lack of competitive inside or that lack of ego or of self-respect to stand aside like every UFC heavyweight has done silently. Not only take your medicine, you're going to say nothing about it. Sit there and shut your mouth. I could never imagine a day of my life where that would have flown. But the fake tough guys of mixed martial arts arts in 2021, weight by weight, class by class, are doing exactly that. I've been asking myself a fun question for the last week. I just asked, just simply asking myself why Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather didn't work. Why did that bomb? The fight was canceled. Bring guys up to speed. That fight, quotations, was canceled due to lack of interest. When I tell you that I've asked myself for a week why, this industry and this sport goes in waves. And if you've studied the sport long enough, you can generally recognize what wave we're on, and then you can you can extend and kick the can six, seven, eight months before what's currently in fashion goes out of fashion and one of the old waves comes back in. This one is different. It's different. I mean, the, the world of boxing right now is going in a very clear direction of just doing these celebrity-style fights, bringing in big names. And it wouldn't matter if you were a big name, Nate Robinson from the NBA, or you were a big name from... KSI was like a singer, the Paul brothers, YouTube start, right? I mean, you get it. It doesn't really matter where that name came from. Bringing Mike Tyson, Roy Jones back. Those things are fun and those things are interesting. And those are the two words that I will always use when discussing a fight. Fought in the UFC, went and fought in Bellator. One of the main questions I ever got asked by anybody who could ask me a question is, what is the difference between the two? To which I broke down in my own interpretation to a smaller level of what is the difference in Scott Coker and Dana White? I felt like that was the question I was being asked. And there was a lot more similarities between Bellator and the UFC. Distinguishing and identifying the difference between Scott Coker and Dana White is a little bit tricky. I will tell you this, if Dana White is looking to book a fight, he is looking for one word, interesting. If you ever pitch an idea to Dana, he may not tell you yes or no. If he responds with the word interesting, things are looking good for you. When Scott Coker is booking a fight, he is looking for the word fun. If you bring him a match or you pitch him an idea and he comes away and looks at you without committing and says fun, things are looking good. So I use both of those words from the two guys that I learned from. And if a fight is neither interesting nor fun, I tend to scrap it. But I use this as evidence still trying to break down and deduce why Floyd and Paul didn't work. What is it about that recipe that is not repeatable and is different than the other side shows that we saw? And there is an answer. It's just important to identify what the answer is, right? You can burn the audience a number of times if you slip in delivering for the audience. The sport of boxing, if you followed, you do not have very many nights that were meaningful. 
that you can take with you and you built memories of your childhood or high school or college that you could tie back to a fight. It is a painfully boring sport until it's not. Every now and then something happens. Something is about to happen with Fury versus Joshua, by example. But for the most part, it's painful. And Floyd, who has made a career of laughing at the audience and has openly let us in on the gag that he is laughing at us. At some point, that comes back to bite you. And the fight with Paul, it's a tough one. Why am I watching? I cannot watch for Floyd's brilliance. Paul is not skilled enough to bring out any of that brilliance. Do I hate Paul enough that I just want to see Paul get beat up? If that is the question and that is the answer and that is what drives from a monetary standpoint, what is going to drive that spectacle fight forward, then you would want to put Paul in there with Tyson. You see the difference. Mike Tyson is search and destroy. He's going to find you. He's going to hurt badly anything in front of him to the best of his ability. Floyd Mayweather has rewritten the story of lackluster performances i.e. the Conor McGregor fight, he rewrote a narrative to serve him at the time, which is that I carried Conor. That comes back to bite him at a time where he's now trying to tell the audience, I'm going to come out and I'm going to destroy the guy in front of me. Do you see the problem? No, he never carried Conor. He tried to rework the story. I understand these things, but I'm not a mark. The audience that Floyd is trying to, to serve is the marks, and they only know what their leader told them, which served him at the time. There was nothing monetizable. There was nothing to sell. There was nothing to gain from rewriting the story of having carried Conor McGregor and having to go 30 minutes with a guy who had never done it. It just helped to put a little bit of ice on the swollen bruise that was Floyd's ego at the time, but it's now coming back to bite him. If we're to believe that Floyd is going to carry a guy, then what is the difference if he's in there with a train boxer or he's in there with a YouTube guy that doesn't belong in there? What is now the sell? That we're going to see a few minutes of silliness? Or that this YouTube guy that we don't like is going to go out and take a thumping and that's worth our $29.95? I mean, do you see the problem? I still don't feel that I fully have a grasp of why that bombed. I would not have bet that bombed. I would have thought if you bring two celebrities together, you can stick them in there. I realize that that's a broad stroke, but it seems like the world of boxing is doing it. If I was to juxtapose that fight, which was so uninteresting that it got canceled against Jake Paul and Ben Askren, there are some very different competitive storylines that you can look at. You can argue that Paul isn't very good, and then you can argue that Askren's hands weren't great for the world of MMA, and now you can create a story about, well, which is better? Really good hands for YouTube or okay hands for MMA. But you still have a story that's based around competitiveness, that's based around two guys that don't want to lose. I don't want to be better than the YouTube guy with my hands, and I don't want to lose to the guy with bad hands for MMA. I mean, you see where it starts to matter. You start to realize where you have meaning. And you also don't know who's going to win. Every story is tough to tell if the audience already knows the ending. That is what Floyd and Logan were up against, to no fault of either's. Floyd's just really good at it, and Logan just doesn't do it. And it was one of these things to plant a seed of doubt in anyone's mind is is one of the things that Logan failed greatly to do. 
He could have come out and had the truth on his side, which the truth being Floyd weighs 100 pounds and I weigh 190 pounds. Floyd is clean and I stick a needle in my ass every Wednesday at 8 p.m. He could have just come out and told the truth as a way of garnering some level of attention. I don't know why that fight bombed. I don't fully know. I, I know that I've got a hold of the right tool, but possibly by the wrong end. I do want to understand, though. I have to know everything. I got to be the smartest guy in the room at all times. And this is one of the few things that have come up over a period of time that I don't fully get. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit till I get this. But something there missed. Well, this was a treat from out of nowhere. Tony Ferguson has called out Nate Diaz. The reason I tell you that's a treat, those guys have just steered clear of one another. I've never heard anything from either Diaz and Tony Ferguson ever. And I share that with you because that's a wildly compelling fight. If that fight, if I told you that fight's going to be next weekend and then we just randomly check what the odds makers say, my guess is you've got a dead heat on your hands. I mean, that, that is a wildly compelling fight. And in many ways, it's the same guy. If you go, well, he's a cardio machine. I'd go, which one are you talking about? You go, well, he's a, he's amazing at jujitsu. I go, yeah, I agree. Which one are you talking about? Well, his hands, he's finished plenty of fights with, uh, yeah, I, which one are you talking about? It's the same guy. And I've always thought, apparently falsely, apparently I had this one wrong. I always thought those guys must have a relationship and or a respect for each other that I don't know about. Both jiu-jitsu guys, one's a Caesar Gracie, one came through Eddie Bravo, but both located in California, similar weight classes, same generation. Their careers really have mirrored each other, particularly to go, well, when did they start and when did they finish? It's just one of these things where those guys stayed out of each other's wheelhouse and I assumed, all on my own, nobody told me, I just assumed on my own that they must have something. They must have worked out in one of those jujitsu rooms. Maybe they did an open room together. Maybe the ultimate fighter and they got to, I never knew. Nobody's ever told me that. But it always seemed as though those two guys oddly steered clear of one another. Similar weight classes, exact same path. Until today. And Ferguson went first. He called Nate out on social media. I went to find what Nate's response was, and I saw that Nate said something along the lines of 170 pounds. You know, let's do it at 170 pounds. I don't think Nate was responding to Ferguson, though. I think just because I went to Nate's and saw that Nate said 100, I think that that was from when Nate was responding to Poirier. My point being, I don't know that Nate has responded to Ferguson yet. Even though if you go check the timeline, it looks as though we, I'm not sure that he did. Let's say he did. Let's make it up. Let's start a rumor. Nate responded to Tony, said, let's do it at 170. Okay, well, I mean, that seems as though we've just solved a problem. It, it seems as though if one thing to get in the way of Ferguson and Nate being in the octagon together is the weight class, it seems as we just solved that problem. It's going to be 170 pounds. And not for nothing, but Ferguson is going to be one of those guys at one point in his life is going to prefer to go to 170. Ferguson's no different than any other human being. We're living this life of discipline, not to mention going to bed hungry every night, is going to be something that he's glad that he used to do. I'm just one guy talking. I'm looking to start a rumor. I don't know where this came from. In many ways, it is shocking 
that it hasn't happened until now? I have no idea how those two can both be in California, both coming up through the jiu-jitsu ranks, both going on to the Ultimate Fighter, both being in similar weight classes, both going into the Ultimate Fighting Championships, both contending for championships, both being main eventers, both being on pay-per-view, and never run into one another. That is why I, on my own, concluded they must, and then fill in the blank, they must be buddies, they must be friends, they must be training partners, they must fill in the blank. But there must have been something there. I was wrong. If you wanted to tell me any super fight that we're sitting around talking about right now, McGregor, Poirier, part three, put Chandler in the mix, Chandler, Gaethje, I mean, woo, I'm in, I'm on board. Uh, but I'm not sure I'm more on board all the way up to Poirier, Connor. I'm not sure that I would be any more level of anticipated and excited than Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson. That, that's a dream fight. That is a super fight. That is a mega fight. That is a pay-per-view, which you have to take into consideration, right? It's very relevant what I'm saying. That is a mega fight, but there would be no belt on the line, which begs the question, okay, is it a pay-per-view? It's very hard to believe that you're going to see Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson fight for free. Would you agree as the consumer? Would you agree? Wouldn't you feel as though you're being a little bit spoiled? You would. Okay. Isn't it hard to believe that they would headline a pay-per-view, no belt on the line? When's the last time that happened? Relevance being, if those guys fight, it is on pay-per-view. It's not a title fight. If it's not a main event, that changes it to three rounds. I mean, that changes. Every, that's a totally different fight. If I'm asking you to give me a breakdown, give me an X's and O's of Ferguson versus Nate Diaz, and I tell you it's 15 minutes or I tell you it's 25 minutes, you're going to have a completely different opinion, which only creates a problem. Let's say you could get Ferguson and Nate together. Whatever in the world is the backstory on how these two stayed apart. Where are you going to put them? What are you going to do with them? Where do they go? Are they a supporting cast for somebody? It's very hard to believe you're going to get those guys to agree to be a supporting cast somewhere if there's not at least a caveat on top of it, which is, great, we're going to put you in the co-main spot. We're going to put Chandler versus McGregor on top of the bill. And by the way, if anything happens to Chandler or McGregor, you are moving up. I'm a guy saying a lot of things with no information at all, but this one just got me. This caught me off guard. Ferguson went after Diaz. What in the hell is taking so long? Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by one of my favorite nutritional products, Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I've ever had. Guys, I live a pretty busy lifestyle, even during the pandemic. I'm grateful. MMA never really slowed down between the podcast, TV, work from my home studio, and on the road, coaching, family life. It's been challenging to maintain healthy nutritional habits. And to be honest, I've never really been a fan of eating my vegetables. I know that's not what you want to hear from Uncle Chael, but it's true. This is where Athletic Greens has helped me and hopefully can help you too. It's a daily all-in-one superfood powder. One scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multi-mineral, 
probiotics, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase our energy, our focus, and help with digestive and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. That's why it works for me. It's hard to remember to take my daily vitamin and get enough veggies to keep old Uncle Chael up and running on all cylinders. Athletic Greens is my one-stop shop. It's simple, easy, and guys, it's delicious. For you athletes out there, this product is NFC certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on the taste. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system, and during these winter months, it's offering my audience only one free year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. If you visit my link today, you'll basically never need to buy vitamin D again. So whether you or a family member are looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash chael and get your one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. You'll basically never need to buy vitamin D again. So, Corey Sandhagen is going to fight Frankie Edgar Saturday. I found this out one minute ago. Whose fault is that? Very sincere question. I work within the industry. I am somebody you guys turn to for news and information. So I sit on the chopping block that I am bringing up. Is it my fault? The former champion of the world, who is my favorite fighter, Frankie Edgar, is fighting a guy who's only lost once, who is the next generation, who is coming off of the night bonuses, who is being primed for a title shot and or title run. They're fighting in a matter of hours, and I found out one minute ago. Whose fault is that? And you might point the gun at me. But I'm going to respond to you that I'm like an accountant. I'm only as good as the information that I am given. I have not seen this on social media. There has not been a headline anywhere, including in a a very admittedly slow MMA week. The week was so slow that the financials of 1FC were a top story. The author of that piece could not tell me the financials of his own house on a stack of Bibles and or under oath, but he can tell me the financials of a company continents away. That's how slow the Newsweek was. My favorite fighter is getting ready to fight a top contender in a number of hours, and I found out one minute ago. Whose fault is that? I go to two different websites. It wasn't there. I read the stories. I talk to aficionados. Nobody mentioned it. I'm on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It wasn't there. 
And don't try to out-detective me and say, I just typed in Frankie Edgar, or I just typed in Corey Sandhay, and it's right in front. It didn't pop up on mine. Did not pop up on three of the world's biggest publications of which I'm on every single day. It is my favorite fighter, Frankie Edgar. Never missed one of his fights. I won't miss this one. I found out it's taking place one minute ago. There is a major lesson in this somewhere. I can remember holiday season. Biggest gift you're ever going to receive from the holidays comes from Dana. I remember opening up this package, and it was a video. It's a video recorder. About yay big, real handy. And it had a USB. You videoed whatever you want. You hooked that into your laptop and or PC device. It would transfer the video over, and you could do something called video blogging. Do you guys all remember Fight Week, Blog Week? Okay. Well, video blogging at that time was a kind of a unique term called a vlog, video blog. It was kind of new at that time. It's very old now. I'm giving you antiquated information. This is from 2014. That's 2012 is when this, eight years ago, very old information. But there was still a message in there that it cost $500 and he bought one for every single guy under contract, which is $556. Now, nobody would possibly know what 500 times 556 is, but it's largely a check bigger than you want to write. But he wrote it, why? Because it was the holidays? Because he wanted to be nice? Partially, sure. Or because he knew that there was going to be a return and everybody wins. You start video blogging, you start telling your story, I'll front the cost for this, which is $500. You tell your story, you become interested, you pass that interest to somebody else, and eventually it could come around to me. It's going to be a long-term play by me, but here's a great big check to somebody working at Best Buy who got a commission that day. Do you see the lesson, though? There was an importance all the way back to the time that this gift was given in 2012. There was an importance to getting your message out there. Social media existed, but it was not as big as it is today, but there was a message out there. I can't fully finish this thought. I didn't sit down and plan to make a video to you about this thought. My favorite fighter is fighting the next generation representative in the top contender in Corey Sandhagen Saturday for free. And nobody told me. All right, so Logan Paul lost the fight with Mayweather, okay? Jake Paul is trying to get the fight. Now, that would be the ultimate FU in the world of brotherly love. And if either one of them admitted it or did not admit it, it would be a really big deal, right? If you ask a girl to the dance and she turns you down, and then your brother comes in and asks her to the dance, even if he says, hey, man, there's no hard feelings, she wasn't going to go with me anyway, you know, a fair play... No matter what he says, you can see where this becomes problematic. So Logan Paul, who missed out on the fight, Jake Paul, who's trying to steal the fight, Jake Paul wrote a poem for Floyd. I want to read the poem for you now. These are Jake's words. Dear Mr. Mayweather, who runs your Instagram? They need to get paid better. Do us a favor and stay off social media. You should focus on learning to read, retirement, or maybe an encyclopedia. 
You call me out to fight, but you're half my height. You might beat my brother, but Jake Paul is a different type of mother. I proposition I don't do exhibitions. We can fight on my conditions. 50-50 commissions? Oh, and we haven't forgotten you tried at training Nate to beat me. I left him unconscious on the canvas. Let's hope that you're not that easy. A quick NBA knockout. He's never boxing again. Speaking of NBA, who knocked up your daughter, my friend? After I KO Askren on Thrilla April 17, I would love to fight you, Floyd, and punch you in those fake-ass veneer teeth. Now, it's not bad. It's not bad. I find it very, I love the part of where he calls out Floyd and says, who runs your social media? While having posted something on his own social media that is ran by somebody else. Like there's something brilliant about that that I love. Calling Floyd out for not doing his own posts when you paid somebody to do your post. Like I'm into that kind of thing. I think that's great. Now he's working a little bit too hard. If you look at the very last line, I would love to fight you, Floyd, and punch you in those fake-ass veneer teeth. You see the problem? I mean, now we're getting a little redundant. Fake-ass teeth, let the audience draw the, the conclusion that they're veneers, or just say veneers and let the audience draw the conclusion that they're fake teeth. I don't know what the NBA and the knocking up of the, of the daughter meant. I just know that's a dirty, nasty line. I like where he says we're going to fight on my, uh, on my conditions, 50-50 commissions. Now, that's the most powerful statement in the entire poem. When Floyd Mayweather, who was the money draw of boxing, has a fight removed and it's publicly cited by publications such as TMZ as being removed for a lack of interest, that is a very hard thing to come back from. When you get swatted away from what is the only thing that you know how to do, and up until this point, you've done it on your terms in front of whoever you wanted and for more than anyone else, and you get publicly rebuked for a lack of interest, it's hard to come back from, but it's brilliant that Jake Paul would say, we're going to fight on my conditions 50-50 commissions. Floyd doesn't split 50-50 with anybody. And guess what? Floyd doesn't have a fight. Now, Jake Paul will quickly back down. He will do it for whatever piece of the, the pie that he can get. But it was very smart that he picked up on that. Of the two brothers, one of them has a fight. Of the three of them, the two brothers and Floyd, one of them has a fight who's going to be headlining and main eventing. I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Of course, Floyd took the bait and came back. And it's very easy for me, and I'm the collective me, meaning all of you, for anybody to sit back after the fact and then judge. But you don't have to be Captain Obvious to see that there's no room in this for Floyd to make hay, right? There's a rule in politics you never punch down. It is why the president won't go after a governor, because he's a lowly governor, and there's 50 of them within these United States. There's one president. 
It's why senators will never go after a congressperson. It's why Congress people will always go after senators and always go after presidents. You don't punch down, you always punch up. So when Floyd makes the mistake of going after one of two YouTube sensations of which nobody in the world could tell them apart, I wouldn't have the foggiest idea if Logan Paul steps in the ring against Ben Askren or Jake Paul steps in the ring. I will have no idea. Whoever's announcing the fight and tells me that's who, I'll believe them. Their mother couldn't tell the difference. You could set a brick at the table, tell the mother that it's Logan or Jake, she'll try to serve it meatloaf. Like, nobody knows and nobody cares. But the point is, for Floyd, he's now punching down, which is all Paul wanted him to do. Guys, quick story on how the Paul brothers work, okay? Their team went to each and every one of you fighters who ended up making yourself look stupid unless you were named Ben Askren and told you to call Jake out. When they told you to call Jake out, they did it in a make-believe land that Jake's interested in fighting you and you might get the fight. And if he chooses you, you're gonna get a great big payday. Just to share with you how this worked. You, looking like a thirsty fool, went out and did it, which only served one of you, him. It only served him, which is why his people told you to do it which is why day after day after day, somebody new was doing it until he made his choice. Paul has the right people behind him and they gave him very good advice. You just fell for it and you look stupid unless your name is Ben Askren. So now for Floyd to take the same bait, you'll never forget the story of a country music artist named David Allen Coe. And David Coe wrote some of his best songs in prison. And quite frankly, that's where his career should be. It was terrible. He can't sing. But he sang a song called Willie Whalen and Me, and he sang it in the 1970s. This is when Willie Nelson was huge and when Waylee Jennings was huge, and the song was called Willie Whalen and Me. And in a number of David Coe's songs, he would attach himself to Hank Sr. or Hank Jr. or one of the highwaymen. And over a period of time, which dates back at least 30 years, people believed that that was who he ran around with. They believed it was Hank Jr. and Hank Sr. and Willie and Waylon and Merle and Johnny and David Coe. When the odd man out who can't carry a tune in the bucket is David Coe, but he was smart enough, to, smart enough to not only attach himself to what he wanted to be attached to, but get them to respond back. That's the hardest thing. The hard thing is not taking the shot at somebody. It's getting them to fire back. Now you've made it. And many people will do it just based on a lie. If you just say something about somebody that isn't, that's the one. You can call them out. You can insult them. You can hope to do this competitively. If you tell a lie, no matter how, that's the one. That's what will get them. They have to respond. I have to set the record straight. And then you got them. It's shocking to watch Floyd respond to guys who don't box. That's what I'm talking about. The Paul brothers aren't part of boxing. They're just boxing fans. They didn't come through the Golden Gloves. They didn't try to represent this country at the Goodwill Games, the Pan American Championships, the World Championships. 
the Olympic Games. They didn't try to do anything for anybody except themselves. And they won. They won because they got Floyd to respond. There is no scenario where that fight becomes interesting because nobody knows the difference between a Jake Paul and a Logan Paul. Nobody has the faintest idea. Even you guys who might follow him on you, you don't have the foggiest idea. Which one of them was banned from YouTube and which one of them knocked out the NBA guy? Nobody knows. But Floyd responded anyway. Oh, 155. Fun day on social media. Poirier comes out and tweets, you know we're going to do a trilogy which would lead you to believe that Poirier is agreeing to the fight with Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor comes out on social media and he puts out a highlight clip of his last fight, which is all the breakdowns, but where where he's landing punches. Oliveira weighs in on the back of all of this to Poirier. Now, it's very important that you understand this. Make sure you're picturing this in your head with me. Charles Oliveira responds publicly to Poirier and says, oh, so you don't want to fight me for the light heavyweight championship. Then who do I fight? Who is next? What do I got to do to have that belt around my waist? Now, there's multiple problems here. So let's go ahead and start with the fact that Dustin Poirier is not the champion. So Oliveira asking Poirier for a title fight of said title of which Dustin doesn't possess is weird. Secondly, asking Dustin the question, what do I have to do and who is next for me, is weird. Why would Dustin know what's next for you? And ultimately, and I want to speak directly to Charles Oliveira on this. I get messages from Oliveira. Oliveira has never called me, but he talks to other people to talk to me. I appreciate that. I appreciate it a lot. So Oliveira, let me make something very clear for you. No matter how many of my pieces you watch, and no matter how much people like me that influence this sport, have done commentary stating the following, Dustin Poirier will be fighting for a championship next. No matter how many times we say that, it doesn't make it so. There is no ink dried on any paper anywhere that says Dustin Poirier fights for a title next. That is me talking. I am likely right. But you don't have to agree. And why you have gone along with the people like me who are sitting on our butts comfortably making a career and money off of you in the gym sweat. You don't need to listen to people like me. You have a job to do, and it's different than mine. For me to state that Dustin Poirier should fight for a title because all of the good deeds that he's already done, a hard brawl with Khabib, a victory a second time over Max, shutting up the odds makers and the naysayers and the pundits and getting rid of Conor McGregor. There is nothing anywhere that says Poirier's next fight is for a belt. I believe I am of good mind and of good cautious to come and tell you that, but you now have another job. One is to agree with me and make sure that you're in the passenger seat opposite Poirier. That would make a level of sense to me. 
But whoever you're in the opposite seat with, whether you like them or not, is now your partner. And if you and Michael Chandler had the sense that God gave geese behind the scenes, you would have puttied up, you would have coupled up with your managers and or a third party, and you would have decided that you two were going to fight for the belt. You would have dumped and pushed away Dustin Poirier. You would have quickly seen that Dustin has a bird in the hand and knows it and that he is likely to offer some resistance to the office. You would have offered your and Chandler's willingness to trump the resistance of Poirier and the pain in the ass that is openly known as Conor McGregor. Your team and Chandler's team would have conspired. And you and Chandler together, instead of coming and hoping to be the passenger in the car driven by Poirier, would have created your own story. Not only have you created an alternative narrative, you have gone along with the narrative created by me, who's sitting here comfortably on my ass. My point being, in all fairness, I don't have the right. I don't have the right to steer your career or to anoint Dustin Poirier. And I don't just mean it's me. People like me who are also sitting in an air-conditioned home with a beverage a half an arm's reach away. Just because we say Dustin should be fighting for the belt doesn't mean that he is. And if you're begging to get in the car with Dustin and he's not letting you in, find yourself a new partner. And if nobody has suggested to you until right now that you and Chandler should have teamed up, you should have manipulated the media, you should have leveraged against the office, you, Charles Oliveira, need a new team. talking to my partner Ryan and (laughs) so every day looks the same for me when I get to the studio okay I go right to the refrigerator and I see what we (laughs) I see what we have to drink and I go in and I, I go into the pantry and I always see what kind of pretzels we have And I'm telling you, they're doing amazing things with pretzels these days, by the way. (laughs) So I grab a drink. I grab some pretzels. I come in. I sit down. And Ryan does the same thing every day, too, which is he goes through our social media, and he tells me what topics you guys are discussing. So you kids online have decided that we should use Sandhagen as an adjective. Sandhagen should be an adjective used to describe somebody who screws himself. And it all has to do with Corey Sandhagen giving an interview after a knockout of the year style candidate. And he passes the next title fight to Aljamain Sterling. Corey Sandhagen did not follow his own division close enough to know they were getting ready to pull a Montreal screw job on Aljo and hand the belt to Sandhagen. Sandhagen didn't know it. The whole world who was, all they needed was Sandhagen to have a good performance. He had a knockout of the year. He had one of the greatest knockouts I have ever seen in history. 
everything was about to get robbed and handed to him. He says, well, you know, as soon as Aljo gets that title shot and gets done, I'd sure like to be next. He didn't know what was going on within his own division. And I'm all for it. I don't really like to kick Corey. Corey's got an incredible record. He is going to fight for time. I think Corey can take it. I want Corey to find this funny. I hope. But I also haven't ran into him. He might grab and go, hey, chill. That's a dick move. You know, there's calling it a Sandhagen. But it is a Sandhagen. The guy didn't follow his own division. They were getting ready to pull the screw job and hand him a pot of gold. He hands it back. And as I do look at certain guys doing it, guys, there's no rules to this, okay? I'm going to name drop really fast. But you guys know I love to name drop. All right. But I admit that I'm doing it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. In the time that I spent with Arnold Schwarzenegger, there was one big takeaway that I have, which is when he gave a speech and he said, make sure as you're you're climbing the levels of success that you understand, break the rules. He paused and he looked back to the audience and said, guys, I'm not talking about breaking laws. I'm talking about the rules because you are self-implying rules. When I got to Hollywood, this is Schwarzenegger talking. So when I got to Hollywood, people told me I could never make it. I have an Austrian accent that's not going to carry over to television. I have a name like Schwarzenegger, which is too big to put on a billboard or on a marquee. I can never make it. I'll have to change my name. And he said, these were the rules, but I decided to break them. I can't do anything about my accent, and I'm proud of my last name, and I'm going to keep them both, and I'm going to figure it out anyway. And I'm watching guys within our sport not understand that they're, they're, they're not in a confine, no matter how much the audience sticks them on you. There is no reason that Dustin Poirier is anointed to fight for a title other than the rest of us have said so. Well, once we say it, it's incumbent on you, the fellow 55-pounders, to say, now, just so, wait just a second. Matter of fact, as I look on Sherdog.com right here, Dustin Poirier, you got two wins and one loss in your last three. I haven't lost in five years. It's incumbent on you to do that. It wasn't Dustin's doing that he was a main event over Chandler. That was the placement on the car that somebody on the second floor in the offices of the UFC said. You're going to be okay with it? How is his win over McGregor mean anything more than a co-main event's first-round knockout out of Dan Hooker? That's up to you. You decide if you want to follow those rules. You decide if you're going to let the guy have something because somebody put his name higher than they put you. Somebody wrote that down. What the hell's that mean? You're all going to just stand by and take it? Well, I guess Dustin's next. I, I Chael said he was, and I heard Bisping say it over on his show. That's pretty big, and Joe Rogan made a comment to it. So I guess you know, I guess that's the way. What, what kind of way is that to live life? To hell with Dustin Poirier getting a title shot. If you're a 55 pounder, if you're a 55 pounder, you better speak up. He's two and one in his last three. Make a big deal about that. Build a poster, put it out. Two and one title fight. Two and one in his last three, about to take a one and one. What are you talking about? Conor McGregor's coming off a KO. You're going to all stand back and just let him have it? Why? Why? Why are we here? What are we fighting for? Where's your competitiveness? Build your story and tell your story. So what those guys got one apiece in a big history? You better come up with a good story. That's pretty good. Trilogy is a pretty good story, right? Well, okay, great. You got your work cut out for you. Has that ever made you quit anything else? You're a fighter. Start fighting. The Paul brothers are main eventing shows, bringing in millions of dollars, and they don't know how to box. 
but they didn't let the rules get in the way. They understood if we have interest, we have po- there's power in numbers. We ain't got a left hand or a right hand on our side, but we got a lot of people behind us, and the Paul brothers are right because they didn't follow the rules. John Jones is moving up to the heavyweight division, and it was announced at a press conference that we'll be fighting for a title. Says who? Enforceable by who? Who do you think is going to show up here to your door with a subpoena or a warrant in hand and place you in handcuffs if you don't abide by that rule? Your fighters start fighting. You want the number one contendership. It's been handed to John Jones. Fight back. Don't follow the rules. Unified rules are the only ones we've ever agreed to follow. But you all are laying down and standing back. A couple of nerds on YouTube are invading the sport and they're winning. But those nerds aren't following the rules. All right, guys, I got a split. I am headed to the weigh-ins. If you'd like to see it, get over to ESPN+. Plus. Make sure you follow all the social media, including the ESPN YouTube page. I will see you guys all on Wednesday. We'll recap it all and more. I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.